Well, today we're continuing on in a series of messages called The Year of Breakthrough. We're talking about how to break through in this year. And so today we're going to look at the book of Judges, chapter 6, and I'll get there in a few moments. But to set this up, I want to look at, uh, first of all, a particular scripture in the New Testament that talks about breakthrough. This is a passage of scripture that I grew up hearing in church, and I want you uh, growing up hearing it in church. And I also want all of us to pretty much get a handle on this and understand this, because this explains a lot of things that go on in our world that otherwise we just have no explanation for. Here, here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Paul writes, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world, On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish, what? Strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Paul says that there are strongholds that exists, that no matter what your ethnicity is today, no matter what your socioeconomic status may be, no matter what your sex may be, no matter what your background may be, all God's people got issues. We all have issues. And Paul calls them strongholds that can come in our lives. And we need breakthrough in those areas in order to overcome. And here's the thing, is if you could overcome it by yourself, you probably already would have. So you need the Lord's help. And today we're going to look at how the Lord gives us help because these Corinthians, uh, they had prosperity, but they had difficulty. They had spiritual immaturity. So even though they were prosperous, they were very immature. Can somebody say America? (laughs) Right? Uh, Prosperous but very spiritually immature. In other words, they had gifts, and Paul describes those, and we won't get into that today. We'll get into that another time. But they had a lot of spiritual gifts. But at the same time, Paul says, you have strongholds. So it is possible today to be in this place, to be watching and, and to have spiritual gifts, and I don't know what those are. Maybe you speak in tongues. Maybe uh, you have words of wisdom that come to you. The Bible talks about faith like no other person's faith. You have like a supernatural gift of faith or, or whatever that might be. It may be a gift of mercy. There's so many 
gifts, I can't name them all, but all those spiritual gifts, and you may have one, you may have five of those spiritual gifts, actually, that operate in your life, but be spiritually immature and have a stronghold in your life. And this explains how you can meet people who have been in church for years, and yet they're nasty. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Mean as a snake, you know. And you're like, what? You have gone to church how many decades now? How long? Or you know they struggle with something that you know the Bible says, don't do that. But they do it all the time. And you're like, how could you be so gifted and yet have such a weakness? Paul says, it's a stronghold. It's a stronghold. Say that to somebody next to you. Say, it's a stronghold. It's a stronghold. Type it in the chat. It's a stronghold. All right, here we go. Here's how we overcome strongholds, because that's the reason why we're here today. That's the reason why I'm teaching you about this, is how to overcome our strongholds. The first thing is let's define it. Let's look at defining strongholds. We need to define what it is in our lives. How, how do I know if I have a stronghold? Craig, I'm, I'm, I'm just not sure what you're talking about yet. Let's clarify it. The stronghold is this. It's a mindset, value system, or thought process that hinders your growth. In other words, it's the reason why you're still in spiritual first grade. You've been in school for 18 years, but you're still in first grade because you keep repeating that same class. You, you can't break through. You can't get beyond. There, there's something holding you back. And what this is, is an unbelief system. You, in, instead of a belief system, you have an unbelief system. So more than you know, we look at people and we say, oh, they, they've got a drug problem and they got an alcohol problem, they, they've got a sexual sin problem or whatever. And we're good. How many know we're good at labeling some of us other people's sins? Especially when their sin's not our sin. And, and it's worse than ours. And we, we can categorize those, but, but that's not what we're talking about today. Satan, here he comes along and puts an unbelief system into your mind. It, it's like a new belief system. In other words, let, let me explain it to you. It, it's kind of like he comes along and causes you to doubt God's goodness. Didn't he do that with Adam and Eve? He said, I think God's holding out on you. You can't trust that God. I think what he's wanting to do is hold back information. If He knows if you ate of this tree, you would be wise. You, you would be so smart. You'd be so powerful. And, and so what happens when you don't believe God's all that good or he, he's maybe not good to the bone. 
Or, or maybe sometimes he plays favorites. And sometimes, you know, uh, you can't trust everything about him. And, and you doubt what God is like. Listen, when you doubt what God is like, you won't experience who he is. You, you have to believe that he is, Hebrews says, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, let me just give an instance. If you don't believe that God's going to heal you, then you're not going to pray to be healed. If you think, well, I don't, I don't think he's going to heal me. Well, you're probably right. Because a lot of times when people came to Jesus for healing, he would say, what do you want me to do? They said, well, I'd like to see again. Okay, we, we can do that. Okay, you'd like to walk? Well, get up. He, he would ask them, what, what do you want to do, have done to you? What do you want to have happen for you? And, and so you have to believe that God is a God that will do that in order to see it. And, and so what happens is that Satan sets up these mindsets in us. And, and Paul says what it becomes is a stronghold. See, it could be a religious stronghold. It could be poor teaching stronghold. It could be grandma always said, or my husband told me, or my first husband, or my, my friends, or, or this person in school said this. And, and so what we've got to do is believe in who he is and who he made us to be. And so today, maybe some of you need to tear some stuff down. You need to tear some stuff down. So we're going to look at a story in Judges chapter 6 that really uh, helps us to understand a stronghold because it, it's part of the story of Gideon. And uh, it's the beginning of Gideon's call that the Lord reaches out to him and begins to speak to him. And we'll pick it up in verse 11. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. And save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord. Okay, he interrupts again. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. One generation, the problem here, one generation 
didn't carry it on to the next. See, there's a danger in not passing on your faith. That there's an extreme danger of not passing on. These are people who experienced God. I'm not talking about they knew about God. They went to Sunday school. They knew facts about God. No, I'm talking about people who have experienced God. I wonder if there's anybody in here today that maybe it goes beyond Sunday school teaching. It goes beyond curriculum. It goes beyond facts and information about God. But maybe there's somebody, how many people are in here today that you would say, no, it goes beyond that. I have truly experienced God in my life. If you've experienced him, just put it in the chat. I've experienced God. I want you to know that that's my experience. I've experienced God. I heard about God growing up. I heard all about God. I've been to Bible college. I've studied all about God. I've studied theology, all that. But I'm telling you, more than all that, I have experienced God. But see, it's not enough to experience him yourself. You've got to make sure you pass it on. Because here's the problem that came in. I want you to know where the stronghold came from is that one generation didn't pass it on to the next. I want you to know today that we strive at Crossroads Church to be an intergenerational church. Intergenerational. In other words, we're one generation to the next generation to the next generation, right? So it just just hands off because here's what happens when you don't. Let me back it up. A few chapters before in Judges chapter two and verse 10, it says, after the whole generation had been gathered, that whole generation been gathered to their ancestors, another, everybody say another, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. I'm telling you, America's greatest risk is not Russia. It's not the coronavirus. It's not economic slowdown. The greatest crisis of potential to destroy The next generation is if this generation doesn't hand it off to the next. If we don't pass on our experience and say, listen, I I could teach you facts about God and that's important. I want to do that. I want to pour into you and, and give you information. But if you don't get inspiration, if you don't get transformation, then listen, this nation is in trouble. Every generation has a responsibility to the next generation because here's what happened. They began living with a knowledge of God, but not an experience with God. Now, I want you to know, if you came to Crossroads Church, this is not a knowledge church. Now, that doesn't mean we don't try to give you something worth writing down. I hope we do that, okay? I hope there's something that is communicated, something that's shared today that's worth writing down. But I'm telling you, if you fill a notebook and you go out of here the same person you walked in, that is not our goal. We have missed the mark. Jesus didn't come 
to give facts and figures to people. He came to give life and life to the full. That means transforming resurrection life to the full. And so Gideon is in a stronghold. That the one generation didn't pass it on to the next, and, and it just got them all messed up. And here's what I want you to know about God. Here, here's just a little theology, and I'll wrap it up in practicality. God gives spankings. Did you know that? And, and when God gives a spanking, CPS cannot help you. Okay, you cannot call and say, I need help here. Because God gives these spankings, but when he gives them, it is not for your destruction, it's for your development. And and the nation of Israel right now, as we're reading this, is getting a spanking from the Lord because they didn't pass it on and they're not living up to their God-given potential, and they're worshiping other gods. We're going to see that in a moment. They've turned from the one true God, and they're worshiping various gods. They've supplemented the God of Israel. And so God comes along and says, "Mm -mm, we can't have that. I'm not going to have that. I I can't let you act a fool. I can't let you make a fool of yourself and me because I put you in this world to shine a light in the darkness, to reveal my glory to the nations. I promised your father, Abraham, that not only would you bless one nation, but you'd bless all nations of the world. And right now, you're acting like everybody else. Right now, people can't tell that you're part of me. Hello? People cannot tell that there's a difference. And so he says, we, we got to get back in line. And, and so he begins to work on them. And, and then here's what I want you to see. That, that, that defines the stronghold. But let's look at disclosing the stronghold. In verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash. Now, not Oprah, all right? That's Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abysrite. And, and, and so God begins to, to show himself. I want you to know that God, here, here's some theology for you. He's everywhere present at the same time. Okay, David put it like this. I can go to the highest mountain, and you're already there. I can go down to the valley, you're there. I can go over here, you're there, you're there, you're there. I can go go under the earth, and you're there. So there's nowhere I can go, but you're not already there. And and so God is present, and, and now Gideon begins to see God in his stronghold, because I want you to know something else about God. God doesn't let your mess keep him from a miracle. 
God doesn't let your mess keep him from manifesting his presence and power in your life. That's good news to somebody today who's not perfect. Okay, if there's somebody here in this house today, somebody watching online, and you're not perfect, you proved it yesterday. You proved it on the way to church this morning that you're not perfect. And getting the kids corralled in the house and out the door, and we're running late, and you proved you're not perfect. Anybody with me right now? All right, so God doesn't let, and as a matter of fact, God not only sees your mess today, he, by his omniscience, he sees your mess tomorrow. All your future messes, your past messes, your current messes, and your future messes, and in spite of all of that, he's willing to manifest his power and his presence into your life today. How many could shout over that a little bit? Get a little bit. Because here's, here's what the Bible says. God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not you get cleaned up and then you come to God. No, you come to God and he'll help with the cleanup. And in verse 11, he says, where his son, he talks about Gideon was in threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, why is he threshing wheat in a wine press? I thought a wine press was for grapes, not wheat. It is. But more important than wine right now is food. And the enemy was coming in, and every time they'd get a harvest, they would destroy it. And the people were starving, literally starving. And so Gideon started hiding in the wine press, thought they'd only think they were making wine in there. And, and, and he'd go in there and he'd take those, those, that wheat and throw it up in the air in there to separate the tares from the wheat. Why? Because he's in a stronghold. And see, you know you're in a stronghold when you're using something that was made for something in a different way other than what it was made for. You know what that's called? Dysfunction. Dysfunction. You're using something that should be used in a normal way, in an abnormal way. Anybody ever watch this show, Hoarders? Anybody ever watch that? I've I, not really been all that tuned into it, but I, I've seen some stuff, all right? And uh, I think we got an example uh, of one of the houses that they went into in the hoarders. All this stuff stacked up, laying all over the place. You know, some of these people have 49 cats in the house and running around and, and clothes everywhere, boxes, all kinds of stuff. People can't hardly, they knock on the door and they can't hardly even get the, you know, video crew in the house and the stench when you open the door and you're like, how could you live in this house? How are, how are you doing this? And they're like, what? 
I don't, I don't see a problem. They have lived in the stench so long, they no longer smell it. They have lived in the mess so long, they no longer see it. And I want to talk to some people today, maybe the Holy Spirit's talking to some people today, that you no longer smell it. You no longer see it. It's such a stronghold in your life that you've just gotten accustomed to it and said, I guess this is just the way it's going to be. I guess I'll have to live with this. And you've gotten comfortable in your stronghold. And, and here's what God wants to do today. God wants to step into the stronghold and say, no, no. No, 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 no. You don't have to live like this. You don't, it doesn't have to be this way. We can do something about it. We can get some of these stacks out of here. We, we can get some, we can get this cleaned up. We can go back into these corners and these crevices and we can clean this stuff out and, and we, can, we can fumigate. We can do some stuff. We, we can make this like new again. And God wants to disclose some areas of your life that maybe you've just allowed to be there for so long that they, you've gotten comfortable with it. You've allowed it just to be a part of your life. See, this explains why some people can come to church and leave bound. It's like, what? And, and here's the funny thing is everybody else is looking at you like, how do you do that? How, how do you live like that? How do you live with that kind of bondage? How do, you, how do you live with that kind of struggle in your life? Because everybody else can see it. See, everybody else could see it around the hoarder's house, but, but she couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. And here's what it says in verse 12. It says that the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, and he said, the Lord, this, this is crazy, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. What? Mighty warrior hiding? What kind of mighty warrior is that? That's not, that doesn't look like a mighty warrior to me. It, it's crazy. Because what the Lord says is something that really you don't see. But God doesn't speak based on what you can see right now. He calls us to something that can be. Anybody remember Abraham? Abraham, he says, well, you know, I'd like for you to use me. And he says, I'm going to. And you're going to have a son. And he says, hmm, I'm like on Medicaid right now, you know, and I, I don't know how that's going to happen. And God says, Medicaid or no, it's going to happen. And sure enough, how many know it happened? And, and so God didn't speak based on where he's at. He's not speaking to Gideon based on where he's at. He's speaking to him based on where he can be. And when he says mighty man of valor, that word means man of great worth or value. David had his mighty warriors. Now he had the whole army, but then he had these men of valor. If you've read the history of David, I love the history behind David's life. 
And he had this special group of men. They were like Navy SEALs. They were like bad dudes, okay? Bad dudes. I mean, you don't mess with the mighty men of valor. These, these guys are crazy. They'll, they'll say, hey, let's a half a dozen of us go over there and attack a thousand men. I mean, I mean they're just nuts. They're, they're just crazy. Strong, powerful, unstoppable. And God speaks to Gideon in those terms. He calls him what he's not. In other words, today, looking down on you, God could see something in you that you don't see in yourself. There amongst your stacked piles of stronghold, there in the stench of maybe what you've done before and you've allowed it to incarcerate your life and it's because of this that God will never use me. It's because of this that he'll have to use other people and God could never use me to do anything great and all of those stacks around you and God comes into the midst of the stacks and he says mighty man of valor come on come on come on I've got a task for you to do because he does it on purpose I, I think God delights in using people we would never use because when I read the Bible, he has a pattern of doing it over and over again. And Gideon doesn't, listen, he's so much in this stronghold that he, his ears don't really hear what God's saying. And so in verse 13, he comes up with an excuse just like you and I come up with excuses when we feel a little pull on our heart, God says, hey, get in that, give 10 this year. God says, hey, go to growth track and figure out what you're gifted for and use it. And God says, you, you need to get involved. God says, you need to witness to that coworker. You need to speak to that person. You need to send a text today. You need to start a conversation. And God starts pulling on us, and we come up with our excuses. Am I preaching to anybody right now. Verse 13, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Anybody with that? Why did this happen to me and my family? Where are all his wonders? If he's so great, where is he? That he told us about, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, they said. So now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Let me tell you something. He is so much in a stronghold that God is in the room and he doesn't recognize who God is. The God who can do anything. The God of the impossible. And some of you, maybe you think the same thing. That God's departed. That if there is a God, I, where is he? You know, and somebody might say, somebody could literally say today, you know, my son died and where was God then? And I want to say to you, I believe he is 
he was right where he was when his son died. And he watched him die and allowed that to happen. Because, see, this world is not it. Anybody know that today? This world is not it. And and so, see, God is still on his throne even when bad things are happening around you. And sometimes those bad things are happening because one generation didn't pass on to the experience of God to the next generation. And so this generation has a weaker faith than the generation before. And if you're not careful, then it begins to water down to the next generation. And before long, God's just an idea amongst a bunch of ideas. When I believe God is way more than an idea. Come on, somebody, if you know that for a fact. See, some of you, you've closed off because the devil put a stronghold in your mind and said, hey, the church doesn't care about you. You should leave the church. Well, I don't know about you, but that sure sounds like a devil talking, not God Or, or, you know, your family, they've deserted you, so you deserve to desert them. Turn your back on them now. I don't know about you. That sounds awful lot like a devil. Or, Or, you know, your friends have turned their back. Before long, here's what he does. He closes us off so we don't have church, we don't have family, we don't have friends, we don't have anybody because the devil loves to isolate people. It's one of his favorite tactics. And so what you have to do, because before long, if you're isolated, you all of a sudden have these stacks going and you get used to them and nobody's there to tell you that's not normal. That's not okay for you to live like this. You need to make some changes in your life. And look at this in verse 25. Skip on down to verse 25. That same night, because God said, you're going to have to do something about this stronghold. So that same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. Here's the thing is, is today I want you to know how to defeat the stronghold. This is a prescription for how to defeat the stronghold. The first thing that he says about this is he says, you got to go where it is. He says, you, you've got to go where the stronghold is. You, you've got to find out Where is this coming from? And for some of you, that might require going to some good counseling 
And, and as we've said, we're, we're bringing good counseling, good Christian counseling right here to our campus where one day a week you can make an appointment and come and receive counseling, Christian counseling uh, every week from this church because of your generosity to be able to provide that. But sometimes you, get, you gotta dig into it. Or you may need to look in, into your past on your own. And for some of you, maybe you don't stop over these 21 days of prayer. You extend it with another 21 days. Because if during this 21 days, God's begun to do some things in you, what might he do over the next 21 days? And, and so as, as you begin to unfold this and wrap this, because I want you to know there's a root to the mindset. There's something that's going on. And here's where it was going on for Gideon. Gideon, it was from his dad. He had daddy issues. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He's got daddy issues because dad might be, many scholars believe, a priest of Asherah. Because he had the goods, the Asherah pole. All, all of this stuff for this idol worship was right there in his house. And, and so he had to dig into the history. And, and the, the Lord reveals to him, you, you, gotta, you gotta root it out. The word that's used there, the cut down, can also mean uproot. You've gotta dig it out. You got to figure out where, where did this come from? Where did this mindset come from that God's not a healer? Where did this mindset come from that I'll never have a successful marriage? Where did this mindset come from that I'll never succeed in life? Where did this mindset come from that I am too little, I'm too least, and there, there's no way God could use my life? Where did this come from? And, and Gideon digs into it and he says, it's right there in your house. Because here's, here's what they did with the Asherah, that they would believe it for rain, fertility, and prosperity. Aren't those things that God's supposed to provide? Aren't those things that the Lord promised to his people? And, and they were depending on these things. And he says, you gotta uproot that. You gotta dig it out. Don't even leave the root. How many pull the dandelions out, but if you don't get the root, it's coming back. It's coming back. And so he says, you, you got to get the root out and then you get to build an altar. And where do you build it? I love this right on top of the stronghold. You, you just build a place of sacrifice. You give a sacrifice of praise on top of your stronghold. I thank you, Lord, that I'm coming out of my stronghold. I thank you, Lord, that I can live in victory. I thank you, Lord, that I can get married and live the rest of my life with one person. I thank you, Lord, that you can bless me and prosper me with children. I thank you, Lord, that you can bless me with finances. I thank you, Lord, that you can trust me enough to increase my business. I thank you, Lord, that you can give me what you want to give me because I can be trusted. 
And in the presence of the Lord, here's what God wants to do. He wants to step in and help clean up your mess and say, you've been living in this too long. You've gotten accustomed to this. You've allowed sins of the other generation to come on down to you. You've let things that that were in your father's house come on down to you, and it can break today. Come on, let's get some stacks and let's begin to move them. Let's begin to clean up. Let's begin to move some of this out. Oh, we're getting a pathway now. We're getting a clearing right here. And then God begins to move and you begin to see, oh, God's cleaning up. God's beginning to restore. God's beginning to work. God's beginning to do a new thing in my life. Let him in today. Let him in. Because when he comes in, he will do a work. And there's no sin that can stop him if you'll open the door. If you'll open the door. The only thing that may be stopping the work of God in your life is a closed door, a stronghold. But if you'll open the door, he will come in. He promises, I will come in and I'll do a work in you. It doesn't matter if you're the least, if you're the smallest, if you're the youngest, if you're the most unlikely to succeed or whatever other label somebody's put on you. I've got a new label for you and it's mighty man, mighty woman of valor here today. Receive God's word over your life and begin to live in it. Begin to live free because whom the Son sets free is what? He is free indeed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that there's freedom in you today. For some of us, that stronghold's been there long enough. And God, we don't want to live bound any longer. So, Lord, we say, search me, O God. Search me, O God. See if there's anything in us today. How many today you'd say, God, search me? God, look inside. If there's a stack somewhere, if if there's a bunch of stacks somewhere, if there's some stuff, if there's some junk in my life, God, I want it to be cleaned out. I want to be that mighty man, that mighty woman of valor for you. I want to allow you into every crevice, every nook, every cranny of my life. I don't want anything hindering me in 2022 from living to my full potential of what you have for my life. How many are with me on that? You raise a hand in this room. Yeah, that's your prayer. That's your desire online as well. Just stretch your hand toward the screen. Father in heaven, I pray for every person who doesn't want to be held back, who doesn't want anything to hinder them, to stop them, to slow them down, to keep them from all that you have for them. And so today we just surrender every area, every room. We're we're unlocking every door. And God, even if it's uncomfortable, even, even if you got to mess with some stuff, we'd rather have that than to miss you in our lives. While we're still praying, there may be others of you 
that you need to open the door maybe for the first time to God. Or, or maybe you've opened the door to God before, but then a stronghold got in there and, and God uh, got pushed out because a stronghold came in. That, well, God let this happen in your life. And if I were you, I'd just walk away from that kind of God. But you didn't know what all God still had for you. You didn't know that he's still faithful even in the valley of the shadow of death. You didn't know that he can go with you through every storm of life. Not that he keeps you from the storm, but he goes with you in the storm. And if today you'd say, I'd rather go through the storm with God than without him. I'd rather go through the future with God than without him. I'd rather realize if there is a God and he does love me and he does still have a plan and purpose for my life in spite of what I've chosen, in spite of what I've done, in spite of disappointments, in spite of things in my life. Today, I surrender my life to him. Today, I open up that door and say, God, come in, come in into my life. If that's your prayer, if that's your desire, would you shoot your hand up in this room and say, yes, that's me today. I need Jesus. I need God in my life. Online, just type the word decided in the chat if you can. Just decided. And we're going to start praying for you. As a matter of fact, I want you to pray with me right now. Come on, everybody, pray this prayer. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me to pay the sacrifice that was needed for my sin. Today, I receive Jesus into my life. Holy Spirit, fill me and give me power to live for you. As much as I know how, I surrender all today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody, let's worship God and thank him for those that prayer in this room and online today. Thank you, Lord. There's ways that you can respond even from your seat or wherever you are uh, by texting uh, certain words to the number there on the screen. And uh, you can just say, hey, I want to show on the outside what God's done for me on the inside. I want to be baptized. And if you're in the live audience today, all you have to do as well is go across the hall and there's a next steps room over here. And our elders are over there. Be glad to talk to you about next steps that God might have for you today. How many are ready to be free and to live in freedom? God has freedom for us. Let's stand. As we get ready to worship the Lord one more time, our prayer partners will be down here to the front after we've sung this song. Father in heaven, we thank you that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And Lord, we thank you that those stacks are being removed today, that we are coming out of our bondage. You are coming into our situation and we are free. We thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.